Monday morning after a major football game on Sunday, everyone wants to talk about the statistics of a quarterback or a specific team, right? But let one of us challenge or step into that conversation and say, let's talk about the statistic of your life. What are you looking to improve of your life this today, this Monday, this week? A lot of us are not tracking the statistics of our life. And that is why we, we, a lot of us live our life by default. Are you looking to take charge of your life? Would you like to learn how to become a master of your mind and body to make better decisions? Welcome to Vibe, Mind, Body and Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Binky Lumba, a real estate investor. I love connecting with people and educating them on how to create a passive income stream. And I am Raju Datla and I help realtors, real estate investors increase their revenue, I also enjoy connecting with people and building long-term relationships. We bring industry professionals, thought leaders, and experts to discuss how our mind and body plays a big role in our daily decisions, big or small. Through this podcast, our purpose is to make people aware and educate them to make wise decisions for their investments and take correct steps towards their entrepreneurial journey. Are you ready for a great episode? Please keep listening. We have a free gift for you at the end. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our show. Good afternoon. Today, our special guest is Shalon Hutch, the Marine Investor. Hutchison is a Master Sergeant E8 in the United States Marine Corps. Throughout his 22 years career, he has served in many leadership roles in Marine Corps Aviation. Together, him and his partner, Dr. Heath Jones, owns H-Squared Capital and a real estate firm focused on syndicating multifamily apartments in Southeast. He's a member of a professional investor guild. Hutch has earned a Bachelor of Science in Aeronautics. He has been awarded several personal awards for his job performance. Hello, Hutch. Welcome to our show today. Yeah, impressive, uh, especially being a Marine. I salute to you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate you having me on, on this podcast. Awesome. So, well, let's get into your uh, uh, history, Hutch. Uh, you know, tell us about your childhood. Like, what led you to where you are now, especially Marines? I'm sure there's a history behind that, potentially. Um, you know, your childhood, uh, you know, inspirations, uh, anything you can uh, start from your childhood to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in this little island in the middle of the Caribbean Sea or this group of islands that separates the Caribbean Sea from the North Atlantic, right? Um, that they call Jamaica, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, now, your vision of Jamaica and what they show on the television is not where I grew up. <laughs> See, there is some very rural areas of Jamaica. There is some very ghetto areas of Jamaica. And I just happened to be, to lived in both of those, right? So needless to say, when I go back to Jamaica, I now go to the resort por- parts where you get to go or you visit or you see on the television. You know, so I grew up in the countryside of Jamaica in this place called Juan de Bolas, right? on what used to be a coffee slave plantation. You know, so we own a lot of land, which is a direct descendant of the slaves that occupied and that worked and now occupied um, that area, right? And now we we descended, we still 
own the land in that area. You know, beautiful place, beautiful countryside in, in the mountain. Uh, it's one of the boldest mountains, one of the higher mountains in Jamaica. And, you know, this picture a younger me, right? Young man, young kid, you know, surrounded by just a big community, aunties and uncles and lots of cousins, right? You know, we, we were never alone. We always playing together. There's always laughter, right? So, but we believe, not but, we believe that we had a significant amount of abundance. And looking back, we really did. See, we didn't have cars growing up. Um, I went to school bare feet for the first, I would say the first 13 years of my life. Well, not first, third, but my, my school age, right before I got to high school when I was 13, you know, so I walked to school bare feet, everything that we ate, we grew it or yeah, to include our animals as well. Right. Wow. You know, so we, we had these plants and fruits and vegetables and things that are in abundance that really supported a healthy and wealthy living, I believe, right? You know, so that is my childhood. That's where I grew up. So um, in Jamaica, the way the schooling system works, right? Um, you go through and we get to fifth grade and then you have to take an entrance exam. And if you pass that entrance exam, then you get, then and only then do you get to go to high school if your parents is able to afford that entrance fee, right? So I took the test, I believe three times, did not pass it. And then I took what is called a technical entrance, which is um, an entrance exam for, for older students. You know, so I eventually passed that exam and got to go to a, a um, dental technical high school where I was um, introduced to electrical, um, electrical installation. So all those wires and stuff that run through your building, um, that's what I went to high school for, you know, so I left high school with a trade, you know, so it was amazing. Um, now, going to high school was was not the greatest. I mean, it was, and I'll tell you why. Hmm. Looking back at it, we can say, I can say that we lack resources, right? But when I look back at it, back at it and look how resourceful we had to be to ensure that we can survive in those communities in that area, it, 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 it humbles me and it gives me a deep appreciation for all the things that I've accomplished throughout the years. You know, so when I passed my entrance exam to go to high school, we had to, I did a calculation recently, I think it was a little bit over three miles. We had to walk about three miles to, to get to the bus stop, um, to take that bus and then the bus to go to school, right? And then, of course, we got to walk the same amount of miles um, back. Fortunately for me, I had, we had the community, right? And a few of us, we passed at the same time to go to the high school and a couple of us was going to the same high school. So we get to walk that journey together, you know, so still the community of taking care of these young men, young men and young women, it, it was amazing, you know, so long walks, but great conversation, great relationship building um, with, 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 our, with our cousins, you know? So that was me up until my high school days. Mm -hmm. Who are, who are your, uh, you know, biggest influence during your childhood then? Like who, who would Man. be the number one person? Yeah. So um, I would say no particular person at the time, right? Because children having fun, all the cousins around. But, you know, looking back, you know, my, my uncle Len. Mm -hmm. um, so picture this. Um My cousin, my my grandma and my uncle was, was, our, was our guardians, Right. So my grandma, she was, she was, she was deaf. And when I, when I was about six or seven years old, she became blind, mm -hmm. you know? So instead of her being our guardian and taking care of us, 
we myself as a six-year-old uh, my brother is my younger brother of four and then my older cousin i believe was at 10 at the time because it's a four years difference right my uncle he would have to walk you know about five miles to go to work so he doesn't have the luxury of coming home and taking care of grandma right so it was me my little brother and my cousins that was our responsibility to pretty much take care of our guardian instead of the other way around wow. you know what i mean but what uncle len did he, he demonstrated, like I said, he probably shouldn't have asked me the question to, <laughs> to let me go deep because, you know, um, at the time you don't really, you don't, you don't really, it's not relatable, right? Because you don't get to have that experience in life so you can relate to the things that he's doing and how much he's pouring into us and how much he's doing the things that he, did, he didn't really have to, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are not his children, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it's it's amazing when I look back, it makes me tingly nose and it give me all kind of, gets me all kind of emotional, you know, but he was a key inspiration, you know, looking back at it because of all the things that he have done for us, he had them demonstrated what it really means to have a strong male figure in your life, right? One that didn't really say much, but one, he, he ensured that we were disciplined, that instantaneous result to the consequences. I mean, the instantaneous results, I mean, instantaneous consequences of the, the, the lapse in judgment that we made as, as children. He was there for that, but he was also a provider to children that was was not his and you know just looking back and just thinking about how much i appreciate being able to provide for my own flesh and blood you know it just gives me over and over deep appreciation um for um for him um god rest his soul is no longer with us but it gave me so much deep appreciation for him for the things that he did for us you know yeah he did his best now fast forward how did you end up in marines and what was that like yeah, so it goes back to my childhood, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we can manifest manifest things into our life, right? And it's really important that we pay attention and we are able to go back to, 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 to track our journey. And I, I'm a firm believer that if you are able to track your journey, then it gives you more appreciation for, for the journey you have traveled so far. And it mm -hmm. also inspires you to create the journey that you are about to go on. So when I was in, when I was in the third grade, Mm -hmm. I remember the, the vision is still vivid. And I, I recently remember this, right? The, 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 the vision right now is so vivid to me as, as to when I made the decision to become where I am today. So I was in third grade and I read the, uh, what's called the children's own, which okay. is a newspaper that, um, that all, this, all the children going through school are required to read. And I remember reading this story. I don't remember the name. I don't remember what unit this gentleman was attached to, but it was a guy from Jamaica, a young man from Jamaica, and he was on, he was on a boat and he was working on an aircraft. And at that point, he was, also, he was a sailor. At that point, I made the decision that if I ever get the opportunity to go to America, I want to jo join the military and I want to work on aircraft. And as I grew older, I understand, I understand and appreciated the, 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 um, the value that come with having a career, you know, for 20 years and then being able to fall forward on all the skills that, that I've attained over, over that time. So when I got, when I finally got the opportunity to come to America, you know, my dad told me about all the branches of service and how great they were and how beautiful they look in the uniform. But he seemed to be, uh, he seemed to favor the Marine Corps. You can tell all the beautiful things behind me that the Marine Corps, we, we, we embodied the, the red, white, and blue, 
right? So that's that's our color, and that's the colors of our dress uniform. You know, so my dad he took me to the Marine Corps recruiter. The Marine Corps recruiter sounds good. Told me that it was discipline. I grew up with a lot of structure. You know, um, actually, when I moved to Kingston with my mom, mm. but you I mean it was really important for me to have structure because it was a very violent area, right? So I need I, I wanted to continue that structure in the Marine Corps. My dad told me they got discipline. They're real. They're one of the most disciplined, and the uniform looks good. You know, so that was my opportunity. So I told my recruiter. If I don't get something in aviation, I'm not leaving my house. You know, so it came to me a couple of weeks later, Hutch, we got your job. And I went off to boot camp on September 28th, uh, September 27th. Yeah, I was standing on, standing on the yellow footprint in Paris Island to become a, to join the, to join this professional gun club. And I've been doing it for the past 22 and a half years and I'm loving it. Best mistakes I've ever made. How did you end up, you know, with what you're doing now? Yeah. So when I came to America, right, my, my dad was a real estate agent mm. and not only was he a real estate agent, he was a real estate investor. Mm. He got his knowledge from the Carlton Sheets cassettes. I'm not sure if anyone y'all old enough to know that Carlton Sheets, <laughs> but a lot of folks who are, in, who are a real estate investor are is familiar with, with Carlton Sheets um, mm. concept of investing, of driving around a neighborhood and find a property that's, that seems as if is is um, neglected for whatever, whatever reason, going through foreclosure or tax, tax, um, tax uh, issues, whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad, he kind of bought into that program and he was teaching me as he, as he went along. So he got me inv- now he got me excited about the value of real estate, but the paradigm was single family space. So mm-hmm. fast forward after being in the Marine Corps and got married to my beautiful wife, Athena, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to buy a house because that's what my dad told me it was, it was important. Buy a house, mm-hmm. right? That's the, that's the, that's the real estate, that's the investment property. Mm-hmm. This concept of owning an apartment never even crossed my mind because I was never exposed to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, after I got married, I got pre-qualified for a loan. And I, I believe this was right around $90,000 I got approved for, I got pre-qualified for. And this was in Hawaii. At mm-hmm. the time, that could not buy a house, but I could have bought a condo. But mm-hmm. my paradigm was single family house, right? And this is in 2001, 2002 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Or 2002 time frame because I got married in December of, 20, of 2001. Mm-hmm. So we we did not take that loan, did not buy a condo, did not buy a house. So it was not until 2005 we actually bought a our first condo, <laughs> right? Um, we bought it for 161 thousand dollars with the VA loan, mm-hmm. and uh, it was right before I deployed. And Athena did not want to stay in that area by herself, so Athena went home to stay with her family. We had a young kid at the time, uh, actually. We didn't have a young kid yet. So she, she went home with her family. And um, so we put a renter in the house because the VA stipulation is occupy or intend to occupy. So mm-hmm. the plan was to occupy the property whenever I returned from deployment and Athena would move back. So we had somebody renting the house for, renting the condo for six months. Now, fast forward five months later, um, we realized that, look, we have the potential to buy a single family home in this in the, in the Hawaiian market. And here's how that happened. We bought it for 161 and this, um, you know, Going through my deployments, the value just keep going up and up and up. So by the time five months came around, that the 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 condo was appraised 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 for over two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in less than six months. Wow. So it was only fitting that we sell that property, buy a fixer helper, buy a single family home that we wanted, and mm-hmm. we made we made a move. So my paradigm was still a single family home. Mm-hmm. Had I known about the multifamily space, ain't no telling how I could have grown the, the profit from, from that um 
from from that that yeah. condo, condo you yeah. know but you know you, you don't know what you don't know right you know so i did some single family flips i mean to include living flips and buy and hold right now we got one one single family assets here in um in in florida and another one in cali which we're going to move back into in a couple months you know so in 2019 is when we transitioned into the multi-family space a couple of things happened between purchasing a couple of single family home and doing some flips and stuff and it got us to the idea that multi-family investment was possible see this goes back to my, my childhood of not putting myself in a box so i constantly evolving constantly surrounded with surround myself with with smarter people people who are doing what doing things that challenges my paradigm right mm -hmm. so i was doing a major flip down here and one of my realtors brought a property to me a 55 unit here in the local market and he said hutch um this seller want to sell and I know you're doing flips so you can get to buy multifamily. I say, okay, Roger that. Let's look at it. The numbers work out. I spoke to a couple of investors and they were interested, but that property didn't, didn't work out for some major um, construction issues. But that gave me that gave me a, a preview of what's possible. So now I'm curious. Right? And look, people who are successful don't become successful by, by thinking one set ways. They don't get become successful by thinking one set ways. They become successful by by challenging by challenging their paradigm. Are always always curious. We, Elon Musk, he have a speculation on what is on Mars. We don't really know for sure what is on Mars, right? But we are curious about getting there. Are, are we come? Are we coming from there or are we going there, right? So I've always surrounded myself with people who are doing things that that builds my curiosity and people who feeds into me, whether it be a mentor or just being inspirational, you know. So um, this multifamily things became very fascinated with me, and I got a preview of, of what was possible, and we just grew from there. Wow. So you're always challenging your status quo. Where do you see yourself uh, five years from now or 10 years from now? It's funny that you ask that. Athena bought me a, a um, high-performance journal last um, a few days ago, actually last week. But it was not until a few days ago I started writing. And that was one of the questions that I was answering last night. Like, um, what do you see yourself being, being in the future? And, you know, just really thinking about it right now, I, I, I do think that what I wrote down placed limitation on my on, on myself <laughs> so that place a little bit of limitation because I, I really need to be setting goals that that um as as um, will smith would say scares the crap out of you right <laughs> what's your routine like how do you maintain that balance right balance for yourself your spirituality your mind and everything else like how do you have a routine you follow I would I would have hoped to find balance after 22 years of the, of being in the Marine Corps, but that's not the case right now. I I believe that I am focused right now on um, creating a situation where we can build a family office so we can ensure that generational wealth goes on for generation. I believe it's my it's my responsibility, my obligation, and my duty. So our routine changed from from week to week because our kids are heavily involved in sports and, right. and different things. You know, so our schedule go around them. But I do wake up um, most morning at four at four in the morning. So mm. we, we try to control the morning and the rest of the days in the Marine Corps, of course, we know it's controlled by the Marine Corps. Gotta gotta I gotta make that money. And then in the afternoon our schedule goes around what the children have to do. You know, so control the morning because the rest of the day might not be yours. I think we all we already know what's your biggest why. I think you already kind of explained that you're creating that, 
you know, yes, family I, office. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can summarize that, right? So Les Brown talks about the perfect way to die, right? So the perfect way to die is to die of old age, laying on your, your deathbed, hopefully in your own home, your own family home, and have all your kids and grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids surround you, right? You live to like be like 120, old age, oldest man or woman in the neighborhood or in, in a town, whatever the case may be, right? But one of the things that Les Brown said that really resonates with me, and he said that imagine mm -hmm. if instead of your families surrounding you, it mm -hmm. was your dreams and ideas that came to you throughout the years and you took no action on it, right? So I am really excited to be on this journey to where I'm surrounding myself with great people that can help me to take, take action on all those dreams and ideas. And I can share it with people, you know, help them to find their greatness while um, finding my greatness as well. So my biggest why is to be, to be able to, to be on my deathbed, be surrounded by family and have no regrets. What's your biggest fear then? Fear <laughs> is failing as a father. That is my biggest fear. And there's this, there's this quote that say, energy, energy goes where focus flows, mm. right? And I've been finding it challenging to, to, really, to really be the father that, that I believe he needs, right? Um, you know, so as of recently, mm. I've shifted my mindset to not fearing failing as a father but focus more on being the greatest dad possible right so um that is it is my goal to go through life well other than being bitten in the face by a snake that that scared the crap out of me i've never been bitten in the face by a snake maybe my past life but it's something that is so vivid to me but so what i'm committed to uh for the rest of my life is is focus more on on the greatness that I want to that I want to create and make every effort to eliminate fear, right? So don't focus on my fear, but focus on the opportunity and the greatness that I can create for my life and generations to come. Well, I'll ask one of uh, Rinky's uh, favorite question. What's the you know what's the scarcity mindset about abundance? Because you did talk about abundance during going you know through your childhood, how you experienced that abundance despite your circumstances. So you know, kind of go through that, I guess, what, what do you, what do you say about that? Like scarcity versus abundance mindset. I can't really blame anyone for this, but we, we see this every time. And every time we turn, we go on social media, every time we go, we watch um, the major, major news, news channel or TV network, right? The media makes it seems as if there's some scarcity. It's him against her, her against him. I can do this for you while he's not doing that for you. But in all actuality, what can, what can politician really do for us? Yes, they change some things on, on a macro level, right? But I think um, a lot of us, we focus too much on the macro. We, we miss the opportunity to take care of those things within our sphere of influence, right? And, but so if we start focusing on sphere of concern, then that's, that creates scarcity. And that's what we see a lot of stereotyping, a lot of racism, a lot of, um, you know, hate, hatred in this, in this world, because people think that I am the majority. I do not want to become the minority. I am the minority. So I am, I am oppressed or different cases like that. Right. But 
Imagine a place where you find like-minded individual who have this abundance mindset that can change your life because they see you, right? Not for your physical appearance, but who you are as a spiritual being and the values that you bring and also that the values that you stand for. Imagine that. And I believe because people, some folks have a scarcity mindset, they lack that perspective and they lack the ability and they lack the, the, the network and the surrounding or the, the, the drive to create those kind of relationship. And they stay to, to, they stick to what I call tribal knowledge, right? Of, of, of that paradigm of the, the one way of thinking of it's him against her, her against him, her against her, so on and so forth. That, that scarcity mindset that does not allow them to grow to their full potential by put, putting themselves in those situations where they can create a network that can elevate them to their full potential. So any tips that you wanted to give it to our viewers, you know, whether it's uh, regarding life or the professional life, anything that you can help them understand that how to move from the scarcity mindset to awareness mindset. I believe that most of us, to me included at one point, um, we live our life by default right? You know, think about asking somebody, how are you doing? Uh, same old, same old. So you're telling me since the last time we visited, since the last time we talked, um, you have not accomplished anything in your life. There has not been any improvement, right? Now, if you work in corporate America or even the military, right? Monday morning after a major football game on Sunday, everyone wants to talk about the statistics of a quarterback or a specific team, right? But let one of us challenge or step into that conversation and say, let's talk about the statistic of your life. What are you, what are you looking to improve of your life this today, this Monday, this week? What did you, what, what did you improve last week? What, what, what did you accomplish last week? See, a lot of us are not tracking the statistics of our life. And that is why we, we, a lot of us live our life by default. And if we're living our life by default, then we're just letting life happen. But Curiosity is, is really knowing that is your responsibility to create the life that you want and actually taking the necessary actions to create it. Look, we all have the same 168 days, 168 hours in, in, in one week. But it's, no, it's, it's crazy how Elon Musk is able to run several major company and on the, you know, I have a vision to occupy Mars and, and creating a, um, a fully automated electrical factory. I mean, a factory to build, to build electrical vehicles and, you know, building a boring company and um, a solar company and all that good stuff. And he's not that older than I am. Look, life is the C between B and D. So the message that I, that I, would, that I, would, that I would give you, your listeners is, look, we, we, we were born into, the, into this realm, right? And we're going to die and possibly go to another realm, whether it's in this multidimensional place or you go to heaven or hell or whatever our beliefs is. But we have that C. So life is the C between B and D, between birth and death. And that C is all about the choices that we choose to make. But we have to be conscious about where we want to go to make the right choices. That's awesome. so true. That's very, very good right. advice. Yes. Our rapid five questions is one word or one sentence only answers. Not long. Okay. Okay. 
Who was the most influential person in your life? Uncle Len. What's the best book you have read or recommend? The Seven Habits of File Effective People. Yeah. What is your biggest passion? Connecting. In one word, what does life mean to you? Growth. What is your favorite food? I do like me some some um, steam fish and okra. How can people reach out to you? In the multifamily space, um, we, uh, we, we have an operational manual on our website on H Squared Capital, if you want to get a copy of it. Um, additionally, I am very frequent on LinkedIn. You can find me there as Hutch the Marine Investor, mm-hmm. or you can just shoot me a text at 850-466-8490. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. As promised, I have a free ebook for you. Seven reasons why real estate syndications build long-term wealth. Please go to my website, www.lumbainvest.com to download your free copy. Please tune into our weekly podcast, Vibe, Mind, Body, and Entrepreneurship. If you're listening live, please give us hashtag live. And if you are replaying, please give our podcast hashtag replay and give us a five-star rating. Also, if you like to learn about passive investing, please feel free to join our Investors Club by filling out the Investor Qualification Form at www.lumbainvest.com. See you next week in the next episode with another awesome guest. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. Please follow us on the social media and connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook.